A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Lando Hope and Glory. That title suggested by Mike Stoner on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so... Let's be friends. Welcome to our British Grand Prix race review, a race that was a pure showcase in sporting excellence on one of the greatest sporting venues in the universe. So coming up, we'll discuss the McLaren miracle, the Mercedes fight back, the Ferrarification of Ferrari and the continued Verstappen dominance. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined by the wizened tile whisperer of Mist Apex, Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? And I'm quoting a Formula One driver here. Lovely. Verstappen and Lando Norris, did they both say that today? Uh, Norris, in fact, said that once he discovered what tires Lewis was on after the safety car. Oh, that, to was, him. that was a Mardi lovely. So that doesn't that doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> we're also joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Uh, Lando was lovely today. I very, very much enjoyed it. Um, I'm so happy to have McLaren back, hopefully. Please. You're a big Lando fan. You've always been big up Lando. I'm a big Lando fan, and I've always been a big McLaren fan, so seeing them on pace at the front mm. is great for me. Kev Clark asked me earlier, he said, if you walk into an average British pub, which team do do Brits support watching it? And I was like, well, actually, there's probably there's an awful lot more McLaren fans and William fans than you would think if you'd started watching F1 in the last 10 years. Everyone has an affection. Anyone, anyone who's British has an affection for McLaren or Williams. It might not be their favourite team, 
but it's definitely a team they wish they wish well on. Mm-hmm. And we're joined by the most fragrant podcaster in Formula One. It's Kyle Edgy Power. Silverstone never fails to deliver, does it? No, it it's, doesn't. It's always, always a great race, particularly in this turbo hybrid era. It's amazing. Even if it's like not a massive battle for the win, epic midfield battles, always. I was a little bit worried as the race settled down because because I think that we'll, obviously we'll get into the tyre strategy, but because the tyre wear was so low, it was taking a long time to get to that crunch point for the strategy to pay off. And I was a little bit worried. I was like, no, I can't have people complaining about Silverstone being boring. Uh, but I think the safety car hurried it along a bit and, and we got some great action. Yeah, um, I was almost shouting, Pirelli, why have you bought two hard compounds again? But actually, I think it was fair cop. I think they pretty oh, much really? got it right. Oh, okay, then we're going to argue. Let's almost, get into... Well, we almost had a two-stop. <laughs> well, let's get into our British Grand Prix race review. Well, as you know, I, I spit out a lot of hot takes and predictions here on Miss Apex podcast. And so far, I've had a 100% record of being completely correct as far as I know or check. But I have to admit, I definitely got my pre-race predictions with McLaren wrong. I'd seen them putting in good Saturdays and they had a, a, a good race position with Lando Norris in mixed conditions that got them up front. And then they had good uh, quality performance in the last race. But it didn't hold up during the race. So I assumed that it was going to fall back and that this would be, you know, a lot of hype and bluster and maybe kind of echoes of Mercedes 2013, where the qualifying performance just massively outweighed their race performance. But what happened today was nothing short of a miracle. The McLaren pace was genuine. I think they were up there for getting uh, the Verstappen package. Definitely, you could look at that car today and go, wow, yeah, that was definitely you know, the fastest or one of the fastest packages out there. So how on earth did we get here, Matt? And and be honest now, did you share my lack of faith that that form would continue to Sunday? Well, I don't know if I'd call it lack of faith so much, but they had yet to demonstrate that last most important step, which is the ability to manage the tires at a high speed throughout a full race stint without, without falling off. But to be fair to them, I think this was the first track where we saw the full package. Now, that one that they thought about in November and realized they couldn't get built in time for the beginning of the season. And it finally showed up today. We saw it on Piastri's car. We saw it on uh, Norris' car. And yeah, it's like they sort of uh, took Aston as a guide and then improved it and then beat them like a gong with it, which was, um, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, an interesting thing to watch, right? Aston as a guide sounds like a euphemism. Are you saying that they sp- sent spies into the Aston Martin facility, stole the designs and copied them? Is that what you're saying, Matt? Uh, no, I think well, they just looked like at what, what Aston had done, which <laughs> yeah. they copped uh, from Alpine mm. to a certain extent as well, if I'm being honest, because there's not really a lot of degrees of separation in Formula One teams. No, look, the and, thing is, they, they, they saw this early on, isn't it? I, I think, Carl, yeah. you were discussing this, is um, they, they saw very early that they went, oh, man, even in testing, they're going, this is bad. So in a way, they've had the biggest run-up to, to these upgrades. Yeah, and it's you meant you touched on it there. It's a really interesting point that they were pretty much de facto the slowest car at round one. They were in the doldrums. There were stories of Lando getting having hissy fits in the garage and not being very happy at all. But they, but they actually, 
yeah, what a turnaround. That's incredible from going from the slowest car to arguably probably the second fastest race car here this weekend. Um, so credit where mm. credit's due. And also, unlike Mercedes that tried to plough on with their concept until they sort of really realised they had to turn back, McLaren probably realised this earlier, got the upgrades to design, got them in the pipeline and stuck them on. And they've actually worked. So their correlation is clearly fantastic because it worked pretty much the first time out at Austria, only on one car. And you could see the difference between Piastri yeah, and yeah. Norris. And then Piastri got it for the first time this weekend. And wow, look at it. It was matching Norris. So incredible job, McLaren and hats off. Do you know the issue, Alex, is that we've been hearing this since 2013 when they started failing to get into Q3. And and it's just been like, oh, yeah, no, I've I've believed your promises for too long. It very much looked like we we had seen the complete and utter fall and almost collapse of McLaren. And I, as a fan, had lost all faith in them coming back um, because when they used to have the best facilities of the entire grid, it was like the beacon of what F1 teams should look like. What they actually have over at, um, uh, over at someone remind me where it is, England, Woking, Woking, Woking. That's the word I was looking for. Um, of what they have over at Woking, they um, at the NTC, it's not up to scratch anymore. They're in the middle of building a whole new factory. They're also in the middle of, um, I don't know if it's finished yet. The, the the wind tunnel, which hopefully maybe this stuff actually came from, which might correlate be the reason the correlation is so good. Um, but yeah, to see them coming back is mega. It is mega. And I don't want to be a party pooper at all. So I'm not I'm not trying to be like, you can't take anything away from the result this weekend. It's great. I'm going to argue with Carl a little bit later that they had the second best race car this weekend. I don't think that's quite true. Uh, but also, this is a season where we have seen, you know, track to track, tyre choice to tyre choice, different cars popping up. And I think the... Uh, but Matt, I am a, a McLaren, you know, well-wisher and fan. And obviously, like, I do have a British bias. I can't deny that. So seeing, you know, a, a Brit come up with a, a top team and, and do well is always good news. So for me, but the tyres today, the, the main thing was that the tyres just lasted forever. And the thing that has let McLaren down in the last couple of races has been that kind of holding on to tyre performance. So were they flattered at all by the fact that the tyres just lasted infinitely? Uh, well, it always helps if your tires last forever. But I'm looking at the specific upgrades they brought to this circuit, which finished off the package they imagined as sort of their B-spec. And I notice, you know how I'll talk about Mercedes not being able to fix the rear end of their car? And what I notice is that very specifically, McLaren uh, brought uh, a rear corner and rear suspension along with a front wing and nose. And I think that is why we saw them get much better tire life. In fact, to my knowledge, this is the closest outside of Perez that anyone has kept Max honest for an entire Grand Prix. Granted, we had the safety car, but until the safety car, um, until about lap 23, he was he was inside four mm. seconds of Max. And I don't think I've seen uh, any different team do that to him yet. The only caveat I would say to that, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a ruiner, I, really, I promise. Um, but when Max decided to push before the pit stop, like he did suddenly like took about eight tenths of his lap time. Whereas Alex, when they said to Lando, like, can you push a bit more? He's like, no, that's it. It, it, it was, it's a bit like when you're trying to spar with a professional boxer and Lando was in there laying his punches in and yeah, the guy's yeah. going, yeah, come on, hit me oh, harder, hit me harder. Oh, well done. And then, Ooh, and, then, and, and then he goes, oh, come on, now you, now, now you hit me. And he takes his head off. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what Max did. Max just went, 
oh, I better pull out a bit of a gap now and just went. Gone. I mean, it's so it's so impressive, but it's hard to take. Kyle, yeah. So backing up, kind of what you said, I think this might have slightly flattered McLaren a little bit. The cooler mm. track temperatures, because we have seen them, you know, albeit with the old package, struggle with tire wear struggle with tyre wear and particularly when it's a bit warmer they struggle and go backwards in the race so this time was it was mm. quite surprising to see and I think that might have played into their choice of tyres later on yeah. as well because I think they're still a bit scared of their munching tyres but they didn't they were on top of it today and but I do think the conditions really did favour them Alex then I mean I mean the 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 tyres lasting had echoes of like Russia 2015. Yes, you know when when like when Nico locked up ruined a set of tyres on that one and did the whole race on one set of tyres. Yeah, that's very much what it felt like. But nobody thought that. So when I saw at the start that Russell was the only one of the top, however many on on the soft tyre, I was like, wow, that's a risk. They thought those tyres were only going to last like ten, twelve laps. And then all of a sudden he gets to lap 28, 29 with it. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Not- okay. So this is an easy one stop onto a soft tire, yeah. which we haven't seen in a really long time. And not even but- much wear. Even not, not much wear. Like Russell's no. times weren't dropping off that much. I think, I Mo- think, I think they pitted because you're supposed to. <laughs> most the, um, most the degradation was thermal was just due to running the, um, getting too much heat temperature of the tires and the tires drop off because of that. And we saw that with Lewis when he was chasing Lando at the end. Yeah, the um, yeah, with that, his Russell did an incredible job on those socks. They weren't new softs either. These were softs that had done a full bananas qualifying lap as well. So an out lap qualifying lap and in lap as well. So three laps old when he started them, he got them to lap twenty eight, and he wasn't exactly running in clear air and having a nice Sunday drive. He was battling hard and up against the back of science. So he did an absolute phenomenal job of keeping the the tires in the window as we saw Lewis slip out of the window later on and really struggle. So George bought them in nice and gently and treated them well. And it was quite amazing. So yeah, I kind of go back on what I said earlier then, then yeah, the tires should have been a bit softer maybe, but it was a new construction of tire, which is quite important as well. So that's maybe why they aired on the side of caution. I mean, I think we had hints of this on Friday. We did see people running the soft tire longer and having decent life. Um, to my knowledge, Russell was pitted to try and undercut Leclerc. And it was, I think he was running behind uh, Leclerc um, and in front of Signs because didn't he get Signs at the beginning of the race? Yeah, uh, Leclerc was pitted early, I think, and was pitted out of that battle. So I think they were trying to react and, and head off Leclerc's charge because uh, once he finally started yes. to get some pace on his hard tyres. Yeah, that's what it was. They had pitted Leclerc and he was making a push and Leclerc got stuck in traffic, as I recall. And so they, they saw their opportunity to go. And it was actually interesting to me because it then put Lewis in a very good position relative to, um, relative to Russell because you could see with that medium how long it was lasting that the soft hire was a real possibility. And actually, as much as I hate to admit it, Spanners <laughs> nailed that in our uh, chat. Yeah, I think it was race. like lap 15 or so because we initially there was a slight drop off in Russell's pace. And then I went, oh, no, hang on. He's, he's got it back. And I think it got to about lap 20 and you go, these are, these are amazing. Like Hamilton's going to be able to do low fuel runs and go, because Pirelli were predicting medium hard, weren't they? And you go, no, he's going to be able to go medium soft. And even if that went wrong, at that point, you could go medium soft, soft, which was the other yeah. stint plan that, that Pirelli were, were issuing. But yeah, I think like, yeah, Hamilton definitely benefited from Russell doing that alternate strategy. Uh, but before we go on to Mercedes, because I think Mercedes is topic two, 
um, let's stick with what, what the McLaren, uh, McLarens were doing and Lando Norris, because I honestly think I saw one of the best driving performances we've seen in a long time today. Like the way Lando Norris managed the stint, the way he defended against Lewis Hamilton was was just incredible. And I think, Alex, like you've been the one touting how just how prepared he is. And I think this is where sim racing and the amount of sim racing stuff he does is underrated. His his car positioning against Lewis Hamilton today was just, it was delicious. It was just beautiful to watch. And somehow when I was watching all that action, it, it felt like it was in slow motion. And like this is the, one of the best illustrations we've seen of two great drivers battling hard, battling well and battling technically. And despite the fact that before the safety car came in, Lando was like, you guys have put me on the wrong yeah. tires. <laughs> yeah. Well, they might have. He was like, he was like, he was, he was like why am I going to have Lewis Hamilton coming at me on brand new softs yeah. when I'm on, when I'm on hards? Um, and I think we all thought that it would be easy. Yes, me we did. Before, we did. Even, yeah. Be- yeah. even before um, DRS came in, he just scooped right past him. But the th- where Lando excelled, he knew where his car was strong versus where Lewis's was not so mm-hmm. strong. And he maximized using all the power, getting his entries correct to just make sure that Lewis could get nowhere near him in the run-up to cops in that first sector where, wow. the, where the Mercedes was faster because actually as Lewis was saying the Mercedes was better in the low speed yeah. which is the opposite to what he said last week ah. um, when he said the car was struggling in the low speed which is why he lost um, out to, no sorry Canada when he yeah. lost out to um, Alonso he said he couldn't handle the low speed so they obviously fixed the low speed and screwed up the high speed uh, but the McLaren was running more downfall so it was much better on the exit of Cops through Maggots and Beckett's which just yeah. meant Lewis could get nowhere near him but also it looked like despite having more uh, sorry less wing um, Lewis couldn't get past him on the straights Mm. Every single time Lewis pulled out alongside Lando, Lando pulled away, and there's nothing you but can that, do to combat that, that. But that's great, because if you have two identical cars, you very rarely get any kind of good racing. But this was right. a perfect illustration. In that first sector, when you come down the Wellington Strait, underneath the, the bridge, and then you've got Beckett's round to the left and Luffield, that long hairpin, like you could really see that Hamilton was all over the back of, of Lando Norris. So he was like picking his point of attack and... And Norris was actually struggling getting it stopped into the hairpin and went wide on one occasion that let Lewis Hamilton in. But I think Norris was really concentrating on the exits and getting good traction. And the one great run that Hamilton had alongside out of Luffield, as they approached Cops, the McLaren just gently pulled away. Alex yeah, the, and then Kyle. The, the, thing where, um, uh, the thing where Lando was actually benefiting as well with regards to car placement in defense was what we often see from drivers these days is they go to extremes so they go far left or they go far right lando was doing what i love to do which is he just put the car yes in the middle of the circuit because when you just park it in the middle of the mm. circuit the drive the other driver has to make a decision to yes. go to go to go either side which gives them a lot less margin to work within and it's like okay go where you want around me and then you can manage that pace through the corner and you can dictate it and manage your exit better rather than being on an extreme inside or being on the outside with a car on the inside of you it was very clever i liked it yeah and uh and how he set himself up for that defense into cops was at luffield lewis tried to faint around the outside and norris it wasn't dirty at all or anything he just had a little squirt of the throttle and just moved him right over to the outside onto the real dirty bit of the track yeah we'd seen russell put an awesome move on i think it was around the outside of leclerc of leclerc right, like, luffield the so good that like down there but it's because leclerc 
held the inside and gave Russell that middle track, which had the grip. But Norris, Norris recognised this, took it away immediately. Lewis had to back out, mm. and then it kind of somewhat spoiled his run a little bit. So that's how he set himself up for that yeah. um, for that for that defence. But also the other McLaren, Piastri. I want to give Piastri a shout out. What a drive! Absolutely incredible. And before the safety car, actually Piastri, who pitted a bit earlier was actually looking on course to jump Lando. Yeah. That was going to be, I was I was fascinated to see how that was going to play out and how they were going to manage it. Because I think, yeah, Piastri was very close to undercutting Lando and it was a surprising game McLaren was playing. So the safety car, unfortunately, robbed us of that opportunity to see yeah. the inter-team battle there. Yeah, it in would have been way, very interesting. I know, but it kind of, it felt like Lando's day. And so, yeah, mm. well done. Like Piastri needed that overall confidence. Definitely driving well, definitely pushing well, Matt. But I think like the story kind of feels like it, it played out like it was supposed to. Uh, well, yeah, I think that the Astri pit was in response to Russell. He was protecting himself from the um, protecting himself from the undercut from Russell, and that's why he was out of position pit wise for the virtual safety car and safety car. Which had he still been out on track, he would have been able to take advantage of and and finish on the podium almost certainly. But it was, I mean, just think about it. Turn two, and there he is. Fighting with Max for second position in the race. It, it, the whole day for McLaren and the whole day, I think, for everybody watching has just been fantastic because of this uh, renewal of their performance, even if it is circuit specific. I have to dampen a few Australians in our Slack's hopes, though. Uh, Jasper has mentioned that Piastri seemed faster and was told to back off. Yes, he was definitely told not to attack. They were all Lando. saving. They were all saving. How, however, they were all saving. He was obviously in Lando's tracks following in the DRS, which very much helps you keep in place. Eventually, Piastri backed off, I think, just to get away from from the hot air from the back of Lando's car, dropped about a second and a half behind, and that's where he stayed. So I think the pace was very comparable. And also, the thing to remember with Piastri, and I'll give him props for this, he didn't have the extra, the new front wing this weekend. So he didn't have the exact same new package that Lando had. He had the upgraded package that they had last week, but he didn't have the new front wing that Lando got this week. So it was an incredible, impressive performance from someone who was annoyed at the way Piastri came into the sport um, in this whole weird fire. (laughs) I thought he had to come in and perform instantly. I, I give him all the props in the world. He has done a proper, proper job. And, and absolutely well done to him. Uh, Kyle mentioned something about uh, Lando pushing Lewis Hamilton offline. So yes, I'm glad we gave the props to Piastri. I just want to make sure we get back to, to this. So I normally watch it on my screen monitor using the Sky Go app, which is, I would say, not quite as good as watching it on your Sky Box. But, but I sit there and watch it so I can be on social media and do the show notes and everything. Um, yesterday, we were all watching it on somebody's 65-inch... 4K, 77-inch, 77. 77 uh, 4K, <laughs> OLED, whatever. And I noticed, and I don't know if it's always like this or I've just never had a good enough telly, the the marbles at Silverstone were like incredible. And the, it looked like there was this this very narrow line, Kyle, where you could race. And, I, and then I spotted that in the F2 race. And I just wondered if, you know, if that takes away or detracts a little bit from, from the racing. And is Silverstone always like that? Uh, 
No, I think most tracks with high load corners will be like that. Um, you even see it even loads on street circuits because the marbles bounce off the walls and bounce back into the track. So no, we saw it was a bit of dust. We saw on the first laps of Verstappen going a bit wide. There was a lot of dust, but the car's still stuck. And as Russell mm. displayed in Bluffield, if you get to the middle of the road, it's still got some grip. It's just the very outskirts, the very edge of yeah. the track, which Lando forced Lewis to go into. And I say forced, it sounds like it was a bad move. It wasn't. It was perfectly legit he just positioned his car and lewis had to go around the outside and lewis recognized this immediately as soon as he realized he was on this dirty bit of track you can make yourself look rather silly by just drifting wide into the grass and mm. do a do a, a leclerc into you know um the hockenheim final corner into the wall hyper pathetically so lewis saw this happening and backed off so it was perfect and as you said delicious car positioning I mean, talk about dirty lines off track on the first lap after uh, Max had been passed by uh, Lando no, yeah. and he was side by side with Piastri into into Cops. The amount of dust that he kicked up going around the outside, giving lots of room to the driver on the inside of Cops. Mm. Um, <laughs> I actually thought he was going to lose it because he kicked yeah, up he that was really much dust. Close. I was surprised he actually even kept it within the white lines because I was all ready to, to go like, track limits, track limits. But no, he, he did. He did keep it in. Left like but, um, a car and a horse with. Who knew you could leave that going too no, wide through not, cops? We're not. We're not doing that again. We saw some great racing through cops, and we have done since 2021. Um, so actually, the next question I wanted to ask you guys, uh, we did we briefly scammed, uh, skimmed past it. Was you know the decision from McLaren to go on to hards, and Lando Norris was clearly very upset about it, and like the Ferrarification of the tire strategy uh, this uh, you know this weekend made it seem like it was an awful decision. So what we saw was we saw Leclerc come out and get kind of overcut with the pace wasn't good. It took a long time to warm up. Then for like, oh yeah, that looks good. Let's put signs on that as well. And so when it came to the safety car, they put uh, McLeod, uh, they put Norris and Piastri on hards because they had the choice between used softs or new hards. And I think there was a collective facepalm from, uh, from, the, from the galleries but I think McLaren are in a slightly different situation, Kyle, to say, you know, Ferrari and, and Mercedes. It was a big, big call. Whoever made that call, I still feel was wrong. Especially when your driver, I think, apparently is screaming on the radio saying they want softs. Ah, right. They want softs, they want softs. But I do think there's a bit of method to the madness here with mm-hmm. McLaren's thinking. So they have, again, as previously alluded to, they have you know um in recent history munched their tires and they can fire the tires up really really quickly so i think they had a genuine concern about lando and piastri having to push really hard on the restart cooking their softs and then plummeting down the field so i actually think it was a brave but ultimately correct choice despite what the drivers say i think that was the ultimate the risk averse the safest option for them to take was to put the hards on and they knew if they could survive that first initial attack then they'd be okay. And look, it was only like one and a half, two laps before those tyres come in, where the Ferrari seemed to take three or four laps <laughs> to get that. them up. Alex? The funny thing is, is where I agree with you, it probably was the right decision. In the post-race interviews, Lando said he still would rather have had the soft yeah. tyre because he didn't because he didn't want the pressure of being hounded by a very hungry Lewis Hamilton on fresh, hot soft tyres. So it paid out for him in the end, but I think the result would have been the same and maybe less stressful if he'd stayed on the softs. Well, this is it, Matt. This is what I was thinking was, if they're all on the softs, I think that's pretty much a train and they just train home. On the hards, even if Hamilton had got past early on, he was, he'd cooked the rears and he'd lost it. So, you know, he'd have got him back later. The thing is, it wasn't quite as close to the chequered flag 
where it was like a complete no-brainer, yes, we must bolt on softs. Uh, yeah, uh, but that said, you know, what did Kyle say? It was only one and a half or two laps. Yeah, one and a half or two laps of driving out of your skull against a seven <laughs> times world champion on the best possible tires for attack. Yeah, so just defend that because that's your job and then you'll be fine, Lando. <laughs> Don't worry about it at all. But yeah. I'm going to raise the alternate hypothesis, which is had he gone onto the sauce, how vulnerable might Max have been? Because he really did not like the soft tire on his car and he just skated because lando was busy defending from hamilton if lando had had attacking tires and was better at warming them up or keeping them in the zone i'm just going to raise that possibility <laughs> kyle i personally think max had it all under control and was very yeah, calm yeah. you know max saying he didn't like the tires he was still massively fast so he got that mm. three second gap wherever it was and then just managed it and controlled it we've seen lewis do it for years max is a master of it as well and just had it and he was just keeping an eye on lando but yeah and if lando had attacked i'm pretty yeah. sure max had quite a lot in reserve that he would have he would have fended it off this is it I isn't it he's on the radio going guys i'm being slightly inconvenienced all right <laughs> I think they could have put him on tyres made of stone and he still would have got away, as was his command of this mm. race. They could have put him on tank tracks, didn't they? There we go. Uh, okay, good. I want to shift the focus slightly to, to Mercedes, who I, th- I think had a good race. And, and look, this is where I'm going to argue with Kyle slightly and uh, make, the, make the case for the defence, Kyle. You said McLaren had the second best car this weekend. I think uh, Mercedes did not nail qualifying I really do think overall, for all the, the downbeatness of Team LH and Mercedes fans, I, th- I think overall Mercedes have got the, the second best package right now. Really? Uh, yeah. It didn't look like that to me. They were definitely in the mix, but they had a chronic lack of straight line speed again, which is yeah, hurting them, battling Norris. And, and also, you know, maybe they were better in the race, but if you look at the weekend as a whole, I think Mercedes are going to be quite disappointed, to be honest. The car looked oh, like an absolute yeah. nightmare on the Friday well, and in yeah. the practices. They weren't happy. They've had a, and I, and I thought they were going to get a big upgrade package. They just had a wing. They, 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 they previously mm. said that the car's going to change for Silverstone again, and it just had a wing. I don't think it worked quite as they expected, and I think there's a quiet sort of sense of disappointment mm, within Mercedes maybe. of their own performance. So that seemed more of like okay. a, a struggling recovery than a strong, fighty finish. And look, Hamilton got lucky with the safety car. Uh, okay, okay, I'm going to make the case here because, yes, Hamilton did get lucky with the safety car. Like, I couldn't believe it. A, a safety He's earned car. some luck back, though. <laughs> a safety oh, yes. car, a safety Good. car that benefited Hamilton. You know, but we've said this, you know, Russell uses this, this, this tactic a lot. Like, if you can... You can go long and make your tyres last and you can be out there when everyone else has already pitted. The whole aim of that is the safety car window. So the safety car came out and that benefited Lewis. And he wasn't on some wacky alternate strategy. He was just managing the tyres well. And in fact, he was probably, Matt, he was managing them too too much because at some point the Mercedes had to had to come on the radio and say, no, look, we've looked at the performance of the, the other mediums and the other tyres and looking at the Russell soft, like you can use up more, go faster. Yeah, well, post-race, he was uh, very quick to say that, yeah, I had planned to go to the last lap, like Albin in Australia, if I had to, to have a chance at a a safety car here. So it's not surprising that he would be seriously managing it. But uh, the issue for Mercedes is the straight line speed. And I don't think it's something they can fix until they redo the back end of the car. I don't want people to think I'm overly fixated on the back ends of cars here. But the difference, the difference is McLaren did fix their back end. Mercedes has not. And I think they're going to have this Franken car for the rest of the year when the characteristics suit it. 
you're right. It probably will be the second fastest car on track, but mm. it's not going to be the same kind of consistency that we're seeing out of Red yeah. Bull. And the, the big question now is, where's McLaren going to go? Yeah, it's a big struggle. Like through the weekend, Carl's right. That Mercedes looked horrible on on Friday. It was it was pushing into the corners, so you could see them put lock on, and it was still carrying on. And then suddenly the back end would go. It looked like a nightmare to drive. But apparently Mick Schumacher was was there till two in the morning trying to you know fix the setup and so it, and it did look better on saturday uh look i look I, I just want to make the case here for for that it it wasn't as as grim as it initially looked all weekend for, they had a poor saturday ha, look and in an in an alternate universe where the soft tire run in q1 had mattered and as we've seen in so many q3s a red flag comes out and people don't get to do their run hamilton is on on p2 so they didn't actually look terrible in qualifying hamilton who is Sorry, Alex, the, the faster driver at the moment in the Mercedes had a poor start also. And I think for the eighth time this season, do you, have you noticed, Alex, he checks up behind signs. He has been held up by signs in quite a few races and can't seem to get past Carlos signs. Well, signs is a fine figure of man. Maybe he just likes looking behind Maybe. Him. He just wants um, to be there. But yeah, no, that's what my point was going to be, was actually at turn three, Lewis just went straight on. Yeah. He carried far too much speed, and just you, you could. I wish we could have seen the whites of his eyes because he'd have gone, <laughs> yeah. "Oh crap, this it, is about to go wrong." It was that or hit shot signs. off, and he just shot off yeah. into the. He was yeah. lucky. There's so much runoff there, and he. It was a very, very rude mm. um, re-entry. I mean, if he was in, if that was a three point five series in our missed missed Apex Championship, mm. it, we'd have definitely told him off for an unsafe entry, and he got away with it. Yeah. But that dropped him down to ninth. He then quickly got past Gasly, and then spent a long time trying to get a past Alonso, yeah. who didn't fight him. Alonso was very aware that they did not where they were not at the races today, mm. and he just let... Once Lewis had DRS and was right behind him, he just let him go. Um, but I, I agree with you, Spanners, on... I think as a total package throughout the rest of the season... Mercedes will be the second best team. I think that's a lot down to the way they will develop. It's a lot down to the fact that they have the best driver pairing mm-hmm. on the grid as a total package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as, as a as a pairing, I still believe that George and Lewis are the two best on the grid as a pairing. Um, and I think that will see them through. An argument but, for another day. But they won't be the second best car at every single race. Sure, they sure. weren't the second best car today. The McLaren was the better car. Um, neither. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how well the Mercedes had done if they hadn't got bogged behind the Ferraris. Um, but in clear air, they still weren't as quick as Piastri or Lando. All right. So they were third best. They were third best today, but they're still the second best team at the moment. Yeah, I'd I- I'd agree with that. And going back to sort of Lewis and the safety car thing, yes, he absolutely put himself into that position to get that. He was in full goal hang mode yes. as soon as like the <laughs> others pit. And I love that. Yeah, goal hang. It's mode, just goal yeah. hanging, just waiting yeah. for the ball to come over it. And it and it did. He fully played it. But even if it didn't come out, like I said, they weren't just playing themselves into a no man's land, crazy alternate strategy. He no. would have been really strong on the softs at the end. So anyway, so it was a clever, it was a clever play, and fair play for coming through the pack and keeping your tyres alive so well, because I think he was still pushing, like, it was still quite good. I think he had quite a lot of life left in them, so it would have been interesting. And yeah. Verstappen was doing exactly the same thing. He was just watching everyone else. He was like, well, I'm just going to react to you. And he was just cruising out. So, yeah, take nothing away from Verstappen's drive either. This also brings up an interesting thing about that strategy in this particular regulation set, which is that following is getting harder and harder 
So when people pit out of your way and leave you free air to drive in, it reduces the effectiveness of the undercut. And I think we were seeing that a bit today in the race, and especially um, it was Lewis and Russell, but also Russell and Leclerc, because once Russell went, uh, Lewis had like 12 seconds, like I was watching the track map. There was a huge gap in front of him and he was just driving into it and he was getting he was running almost as fast as Russell on new tires on 27 lap old tires. That's the job he did preserving them. But that's also how much traffic being in traffic and following is beginning to degrade cars that are stuck in these DRS trains. All right. Let's talk about the driving, the racing of these two Mercedes drivers. So uh, <laughs> George, George, I think George Russell had one of his best weekends. Uh and I, Alex, I know you and me, we sometimes disagree about the overall potential of George Russell. I will say, overall, on pace, performance, he was on pace all weekend. One of his best Grand Prix this season. Yeah, he's, he, I, I, I think he's been great. He's, I, he's had a few niggles this season. I think he's been humbled a little bit yeah, after, little, yeah. after the full storm of the performance last year, where all of a sudden Lewis has come out and and Lewis has bested him this year. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I just think he's he takes he, he is taking it in his stride. He has to believe that he is the faster driver. If you don't believe you're the faster driver in F1, you get out of F1, you know, or you drop back to Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Stop um, it! Stop it! You leave. Valtteri- he admitted it. He admit he admitted you leave, it. You leave Valtteri. Bottas. Alone. Bottas admitted. That he finally he finally came to the conclusion he is not as good as Lewis Hamilton okay. and bailed out and went to well got bailed out but went down the grid where he can where he can show it off. But I think George is solid. I think George is really actually taking uh, heed and learning. Mm. I don't. He's not coming across as I want to beat Lewis desperately. He doesn't like losing to Lewis. I take objection, Kyle. Sorry, let no, me finish. No, no. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. He doesn't like losing to Lewis. And obviously, once he realised Lewis had jumped in because of the safety car, <laughs> he was disappointed, as you would be, because George deserved uh, that and, position. And that what he... do you think the Mercedes PR thought about his comment of like, "Ah, Hamilton's the, the, in the, third." The problem is, is I I still stand by this is. Every single driver will bitch and moan if their teammate gets the rub. We hear it because it's George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, and it's a really good media story. It just goes to show the 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 inter team uh, competition between them. They get on; they seem to get on okay and seem to work professionally okay. But Russell wasn't fussed about losing position to the other car. Yes, there was only one car he was thing. bothered about going back, and he was like, "Oh, oh, did Lewis get free pit yeah. stop?" And he was really upset, and he was like, "Ah!" And he can tell like yeah. how much it means. So yeah. there is an internal struggle in the team I going on at the moment. Be. Well, yeah, absolutely. I want but him is... to be pissed off about that stuff. <laughs> I want him to be, oh, damn, I'm not beating my teammate. But I was... want him to want to beat the seven-time world champion, one of the greatest drivers of all time. You want him to want to beat. You don't want to just go, yeah, 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 all yeah. right, so no, I'll leave it. Because then there's no that. fight in the dog. I understand that, but I think Carl's point is is valid there, which was, you know, who's ahead of Piastri? Is that Hamilton? Yeah. Has he pitted yet? Uh, uh, he hadn't, but then he did yeah. the safety car. And he's like, oh, no. Whereas the rest, the whole rest of the team would be, oh, wow, yeah. we got gifted a podium place from that safety car. He actually, <laughs> and he actually said afterwards in his podium, it was like, it's a real shame because Piastri really deserved the podium Yo, as well. Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> it was just, and it was mm, quite like, I think George yeah. was really, really angered by that. But he has been 
last season he got quite a few beneficial safety cars so it's a little bit <laughs> tip for that. That, so um so it's fair play really matt you taught me this word it's optics isn't it it's obviously understandable yeah. that's exactly what he's going to be thinking but just the optics i think he will be disappointed with the optics of that because he's very pr savvy and this is classic sophomore driver or sophomore anything behavior no one knows you, you what sophomore up- means matt sophomore second year oh, okay. second year well, at, at at your upper school you show up the first year you're terrified of everything <laughs> second year you know everything and that's why the sophomores always wind up in detention and suspended right. because they don't they think they know everything but I've they learned, don't quite learn something i've learned something Bingo. good 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 uh but look i think you know russell raced fantastically today the pace was great that overtake around the outside i know we had a tire advantage on the clerk kyle but technically that's got to be one of the hardest overtakes yeah, and even so, with the tire advantage, it was sublime. You couldn't have played that beautifully. Again, a bit like sort of Norris, but in reverse, he wasn't defending. He just gave it a bit of a squirt, but kept it in that crucial grippy line, mm. and he just drove clear. It was it was probably the best overtake I've ever seen him do. It was he would have been smiling inside his helmet. It was like that was sweet, <laughs> even though it was like a tire thing. And it's not like a midfield car he was overtaking. It's, no, it's the Ferrari. Yeah. It's Leclerc. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so yeah, that was um that was he'll, so he'll I think Russell be, did absolutely brilliant. He'll definitely have been thinking, that's gonna be on telly. <laughs> that's gonna be on telly. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna look brilliant. Um okay, so I'm gonna risk copping a little bit of flack here. So we we know Norris's experience, we know how much wheel to wheel racing he does in the the sim world. Not everyone rates that. And looking at Hamilton's attempt behind him, I think some Lewis Hamilton fans are a little bit disappointed with the lack of ultimate aggression. Hamilton certainly backed out of a few where other drivers might have kept their nose in and increased the risk of uh, of contact or a battle. Hamilton played that so conservatively. Okay, so here's the charge, Kyle. Does Lewis Hamilton, at his age and his generation, lack the aggression and the modern pace of of wheel-to-wheel driving uh, to the extent where where the younger drivers are always going to kind of trample on him a little bit because they're just willing and and more used to being that bit more aggressive we have seen this in later years in the later years with hamilton because he he does set himself up to be bullied a few times and the I think he's still in the back of his mind of what happened in 2021 when he stood oh, up to yeah. some of the bully yeah. and all yeah. of the backlash and yeah. everything. So, yeah, I do think he does take a slightly more risk-averse approach. And you do see this. Youth comes in and, you know, you could argue whether it's a lack of um, intelligence or bravery or whatnot, but they will take more risks and they will be more <laughs> aggressive. And also they've got more to prove. You get Again, Lewis has got nothing left to prove. So I do think he does take a more of a milder mm. approach to his racing unless he's in a bitter championship fight. And we do see him be bullied a bit more than the younger driver. So I do think you've got a point there. Matt? Uh, to finish first, first you have to finish. I think most of what you saw from Hamilton today, maybe not all, but most is a, is a much quicker. Yeah. Is a much quicker understanding of this will not work at the end. And I'm better off conserving my momentum and my speed rather than um, rather than um, trying to push this move and losing out massively on the other end. I think it's just better, quicker decision making because he's had years and years of experience seeing when it goes wrong. (laughs) That's true. He's been this is it, though. He's because he's been in F1 for so long. He's got the cumulative kind of horror of knowing the backlash, what's going to happen if this goes wrong. But Alex, the problem is every driver after Verstappen is now Verstappen. They've all learned yeah. from Verstappen. They've all seen what he does. Also, he could have probably thought, imagine if I have contact with Lando. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Could you imagine imagine Twitter? Twitter would explode. Mm. Um, and take threads down with it. Um, <laughs> it would, it would absolutely kill it. And there was, he was never properly under him enough to actually make any of the moves stick. The closest he got was cops, but because as we discussed before, Lando had stretched it out that it was too much of a risk for Lewis to go in. And at the end of the day, he's not for the win. It might have been different if it was for a win, and. It was just for another a slight step up yeah, yeah, on yeah. The, podium. the podium. And it's that case of, let's just bring the points home for the team. Let's just make sure we pick up as many, many points as possible. Once he's back in a title fight, if we then see some sort of cop-out moves, then we can question it. Sure. But at the okay. moment, just bring the points home. That's fair. And I think that is the term I was... Yeah, I mean, he did. He did cop-out, but sometimes discretion is the, the better side of valour. But when it was 2021 and he could have been a bit neckier, I was a little bit disappointed. Uh, Kyle, then Matt, and then we'll move on. Yeah, and just to just to sort of um, clarify, this isn't a criticism of Lewis. It's just the style of the yeah, sort of thing. He yeah. takes a more sensible approach now and is doing that. Because, again, he's not in a bitter title fight. What's really the risk? And it's going to jeopardise potentially two yeah. Brits on the podium at the British Grand Prix. You do not blame him for backing <laughs> out. Really imagine if he would have taken Norris out. <laughs> Just yeah. imagine the fallout from that from the Grand Prix. And I think he likes Lando and gets on. So I think yeah. all of this is subconsciously in the back of your mind, whether you're going to thrust it up the inside of cops <laughs> on, to, on your mate. Go on, Matt. I, I was just thinking in my head, he, he already knew he beat Russell. And so that's all that really mattered to him. <laughs> I mean, maybe. That is, I don't think that's a, that's a terrible take, to be honest. Uh, speaking of terrible things, uh, let's move on to Ferrari. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Who wants to... Everyone's just put their head in their hands. Like, everyone's sad about this. The most Ferrari Ferrari have ever Ferraried. I mean, they literally threw away an easy... What was it? Fourth and fifth. Literally. At best. It, they pissed yeah. it out of the, the toilet. It was absolutely ridiculous. They threw away the um, chance to fight for the podium as well. And, I mean, the I can't actually remember what Sainz said 
about the tires, but he was just so pissed off with everything that he was being told. And he didn't want those tires, didn't want it at that time. And yeah, and they were fine in the race. Their pace was fine. And they could have just sat there, but they tried something different for absolutely no fathomable reason. I uh, think there... For... So, Kyle, then we'll go to Matt. I think there was a reason. And now, trust me, I like to point out Ferrari, Ferrariing and dropping balls all, you know, all the time. But... Don't do it, Kyle. But they... Uh, almost. But they... um. But this time, I actually think there was a little bit of logic. And I can understand, I think, what they were trying to do was they pitted Leclerc really early. And I think what they were trying to do was trigger everyone else into reacting to them and try to force everyone else onto a two-stop. Because I think Ferrari was struggling with their tyre wear. So they pitted him anyway. But there was the thinking I think that they had was, if we pit, people are going to have to react and then we can either leave science out and we can split our strategies. But unfortunately, they were a bit... Um, they were like, well, I'm taking my ball home. And everyone's like, okay, you crack on then. Like, no one followed them into the pits. And then when people saw Leclerc on the hard tyres, not exactly setting the world alight and not really going fast, nobody bothered to react to them. And I think Ferrari were counting on... Er- causing a chain reaction through the pack and nobody reacted to them because I don't think anybody actually felt threatened. So I think that's why they pitted Leclerc so early. But there was never any deg. There was the times were so static. It was for they had, and they hadn't really dropped. So it was it was especially to try it with Leclerc. They should have done it with Science first instead of doing it with Leclerc. They have this weird thing between Leclerc and Science at the moment, which I don't quite get. They're like trying to favour Leclerc like he's in a title fight, and it doesn't seem to make any sense at all to me. What was it in qualifying? They wanted him to slipstream Leclerc when they were both struggling to get out. And he's like, no, I need to get out of this as well. It's a it's a really really weird thing that Ferrari are doing and. Um, it's a shame because they've been looking better and then they fluff it with a really stupid strategy call. The science one, the science one, like with him, because he was, they had a conversation with his engineer. They, I think they had quite a lot of time to pit if they wanted, but they were a bit damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. So they just they just took a punt on sites. They knew pretty much the game was up. And then it was quite amazing watching him getting his group mugging when Perez went past him and then Albon and then Leclerc and he got absolutely mugged. It was around, you, you you don't see like a multi-gang assault on an F1 driver like that often. Not on a Ferrari. I know, oh, not on a Ferrari. It was absolutely, yeah, it was it was quite bad. So I understand what they did with Leclerc and the Sainz, remember last year, they completely threw Leclerc under the bus when he was in the championship fight and they favoured Sainz. So I do think they kind of flip-flop, but it all goes back to, again, I don't think they have many much confidence in their decision. And I think they tried to be really confident with Leclerc, but didn't really have anything to back it up. Matt? You have put your finger on it. The issue at Ferrari, and all right, so if we're going to give them, if we're going to give any copium corner this week, it's got to be the fact that they pitted Leclerc and they capped signs out. So at least they were sort of smart enough to split their strategy that way when the safety car happened. They should never have pitted Leclerc in the first place. That was mental but the reason they are doing this and this is not the first time we've had this discussion is because fundamentally they are struggling to understand and master these tires and they're being super conservative when they really don't have to be yeah that makes that makes sense and it goes back to the amount of well we're sitting there criticizing them now the amount of criticism we kind of almost expect ferrari to gaff it up and drop the ball it's almost the standard now that they're going to screw it up and i think their confidence is shattered 
in what they in everything they do and they get criticized a lot and quite rightfully so so and, and of course that impacts their their decisions i think they they were quite brave today and tried to take a punt with Leclerc, but it, again it was just misplaced so that's what I said uh, when they actually got the strategy call right in one of the previous races i was like that's such a rare sight like you rarely see them getting it right now and i think yeah it did happen by a voice um but but it's yeah so i you kind of can't blame them for being cautious on their strategy but yeah maybe they were derailed a little bit by this new construction of tire and team said they might have favored other other teams it didn't seem to really upset the order too much so yeah maybe it's just the classic ferrari ferrari we don't know it's Alex. like it's like they feel like they're damned if they do and damned if they don't so let's just roll the dice and see what happens which is ridiculous for an outfit like Ferrari, they the strategists need to be empowered, and I don't think they are. And I think they are playing a by the numbers strategy game. And yes, in a normal race with normal degradation, that strategy would have worked, which was they'd have gone into the pits, the clerk would have gone purple, everybody else would have filtered in. But that was never on the cards today. There was never any step where new tires were that much faster. And it was just a mess. I mean, I felt so bad for Sainz. He went offline, being overtaken. I can't remember who. It was Perez who went past him, wasn't it? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just got shuffled down the path. And pack. Albon. Um, I, thought, I thought there was a problem. That's how bad it was. I thought, what's happened? He got a puncture or something like that. And his pace never came back either. So maybe he cooked his tyres or whatever. But, oh, God. It's, it, it's just another thing of Ferrari's technical management. Because the car's not bad. The car's fine. In comparison to the McLaren and the Mercedes, the car's fine. Just They just can't manage the team, and it's awful for a team that's been around so long, that has so much experience, won so many titles, that they just can't get this stuff right. Yeah, well, Kyle, I mean, I'm going to ask you. They put Leclerc on the hard tire, and then they put Sainz on the hard tire several laps later, and then they change Leclerc to the medium tire. When they, I mean, how are they not getting the picture when they put the first driver on a tire that it's not the best tire to be on? Yeah, I don't know. Sainz said after the race that when he was on to the hard tires, he thought his pace was really strong and he was really, really fast. So I think, yeah, I think they were probably maybe a bit duped by that. And then they already had Leclerc and they pitted under the safety car. And we heard that discussion with Sainz and his engineer discussing whether to pit or not. And they would have lost some positions, but science seemed to have this confidence in his pace on that tire so i think science was saying i'm really good and i'm happy on this tire but again they just got caught out and as we've seen with ferrari several times they're so unsure themselves they end up asking the driver what they reckon they should do and rather than telling the driver we should do this and i think they place a bit too much trust and as we've seen with science he's got a con he's he's got an awful (laughs) lot of self-belief shall we say in his own pace when it might not be the case all the time so they tend to take his word science ended up just going wow you pick It's like it's like yeah he did. We're not talking about where we're going for dinner. You know this He's is had enough. yeah. I, that's it, Alex. I think that sounded oh you just pick like it, it doesn't matter at this point. It's very it's very Fernando Alonso when he's in that situation where he's like when they tend to stop with like he's been told to like save fuel. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. Or you know it doesn't matter what we pick. We're going to be slow anyway. I think he's mm. given up. I think he's lost all faith in joining Ferrari. I very much bet he wishes he'd stayed at McLaren um, because they'd have kept him. They love yeah. that pairing of, of, of Lando and Carlos. Yeah. You know, they were bezies. So I think he made a mistake. That could jumping, have been him. But, but when you get the offer to go to Ferrari, it's hard to say no. I mean, 
if you actually watch Formula One, it's not that hard. Hopefully, but... hopefully it's getting easier to say no to Ferrari. I, I tell you what, Matt, last point I think on, on Ferrari, and this is obviously in your wheelhouse, is even on a, a track, even with conditions where tyres were lasting forever, maybe actually Ferrari were the only team even slightly worried about tyres. Like their overall tyre deg issue just limits their strategy options. Yeah, and it's it's tire dag, but it's the analysis. It's it's the understanding of how to set this tire up and know what it's going to do. They seem to just not be able to ever fully understand how the tires are going to work or how they're not going to work for them. And we've highlighted this issue multiple times, and it remains probably the single biggest weakness of Ferrari is they cannot get on top of these tires. They don't understand them. And then they're left just asking the drivers, well, what does it feel like out there? Do you want something different? Maybe we could do something different. Maybe not. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough of Ferrari for the minute. It's pretty sad. Didn't, didn't like it. Let's go to Red Bull, which is half sad, half good. So in response to email criticism, and I had one email that said, um, you didn't, praise Verstappen enough. I said, I, I praised Verstappen loads. He said, yeah, you did. He acknowledged. He said, yes, you did praise Verstappen lots, but you could have, you, or you should have praised him even more. So I would just like to say that not only was Verstappen's performance a, a godly performance, a, raised up on a hovercraft built of silver uh, racing boots with wings on the side of his shoes. Uh, it was also one of the handsomest victories in 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 the history of he Formula One, he looked particularly beautiful. He did today. look particularly beautiful. Uh, his post race analysis and his post race interview was was gorgeous. His friendship with Lando is endearing. That's true. I, I do actually do think that. But th- is. this is the problem we face, and we did we had this with Hamilton in 2019 and 2020. When you've earned your way to that rocket ship and being number one in the team, it gets hard to talk about the individual performance. Right now. Verstappen is reaping what he sowed. We don't have to sit here and say it was a record-breaking performance every single week. So, and, and uh, Grow up, because we're not. We're not going to sit here every single week and say, oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm stunned. I can't believe he got that car to the, to the checkered flag in first. <laughs> it was a mighty, mighty performance. And why I think this is a quite particularly good performance for Max was the calmness and the patience when Lando got him he didn't seem to fight too hard he had the confidence he knew he'd probably get him back so he just sat there and again with the thermal sort of um degradation we're seeing on tires gently brought his tires in gently brought them in and just sat there and just patiently waited because he knew Lando probably wouldn't fight him too hard and then it was all looking really close but as you said earlier just before the pit stops he opened that gap up to about 10 seconds and I'm pretty that sure will. he had more left in the locker and 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 he just creeped it and he was just super calm, had it all completely under control. We've seen this okay. so many times. Yeah, look, look, and when you can do that, when you can at will pull a second, okay, you might be driving really well. You could be driving two or three tenths off the pace. We don't know. Max Verstappen... Or like Perez. Yeah, just stop. We'll, we'll get to that. Right, but at, Max Verstappen isn't a second a lap faster than the rest of the field, right? He's a very talented driver, but he's obviously not a second a lap faster than the field. So if he can suddenly just go a second and a lap faster than the field, there's obviously a car advantage. He earned it. That's great. Stop emailing me. Matt at MissedApex.net. No, no, don't stop emailing me. I do love it. Feedback at MissedApex.net. And me and Matt all get that. And by the way, you mentioned threads earlier, the new meta social media platform. We're all on that. 
I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm at Spanners Ready. So follow me on there. I'm going to use that slightly differently. I'm going to use it at the moment, slightly more casual, you know, less the, like the intense F1 content. So come and follow me over there. Alex, are you on there? I'm on there at Alex Van Jean. Be, if you be, followed me on Instagram, it, that's the one. Okay, be Alex's 12th follower. Come on, Kyle, you... I've no, I'm no... over 100 now. Oh, Thank you it? very oh, much. Oh, is it? Okay, Kyle, you've not bothered. 100% How many more bothered. platforms do you need? <laughs> All of I'm them, I'm too much Kyle. of a dinosaur. I know. No, and, no. and Matt I is on there threads. as well. So, Matt, can we get all those links in the in the show notes, the new links in uh, there yeah. as well? And, um, and we'll also the that. links to our, our latest round, uh, first round of iRacing, our iRacing Missed Apex Cup in the Formula 3.5. Some amazing racing there. Uh, you, if you want to see me absolutely stuff a double overtake on two drivers that I had absolutely no, uh, no business double overtaking, but I was like Icarus. I flew too close to the sun and then came back on and clattered Tim Ellis. But that is all on our motorsport channel. So click out, uh, check out the links below. If you want some casual sim racing viewing, it will be good. But So back to the Verstappen thing. I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that case of he's earned his time in the sun. Yes. He's been he's been good enough throughout the early part of his career to have his moment of domination, and I felt the same way about Lewis, which is he'd gone through so much so much difficulty being the best driver, but nowhere near the equipment to show it that he finally got his time in the sun to be the best it's driver Alex, in the best car. Alex, it's and so show similar. What he can do. It's so similar. Like they both exactly went the they both went through that period, like when Verstappen was just hitting everything and everyone, including his own teammate. Hamilton went through that as well. Hamilton went through clattering Kimi Raikkonen at the traffic lights in Canada, hitting Massa every other race, getting involved in scraps with, you know, uh, Pastor Maldonado, scrapping with Hulkenberg for P13. And, and they both had a very similar trajectory where they suddenly, you know, they, they matured into w- what they are now. They both became complete drivers. And I believe Max is at that stage now. Where he is complete. And let him enjoy his time in the sun because I don't think... Max is going to hang around that long. Every single time he gets out the car after the win now, he doesn't look bothered. Um, yeah, he doesn't at all. He looks so bored. He doesn't look bothered. And I don't think I don't think that entertains. I think he, because I think, first of all, as far as appeasing his dad, he's got that done. I've won F1 now. I've completed, I've completed F1. He's a gamer. I've completed F1. And I think after a couple of years, once he has the amount of titles and amount of wins that a driver of his talent should have, he'll go, right, what can I go race next? You'll have it different with Lewis. When Lewis decides to go, he will stop racing. Uh, Kyle. So I forgot your name, Kyle. Uh, you, you, <laughs> oh, nice. young man with a beard <laughs> at the back. Ch- cheers, Pete. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, with Max, and it's amazing. And as you can see, he, he we don't know if, it, if, if this car is absolutely massively dominant because... His teammate yes, is having a little wobbles. Okay, fine. <laughs> a few? Right, okay, fine. Okay, we all watched, well, me, Kyle and Alex all watched qualifying together. And like you all got to see in real time, you got to see my little face when Perez didn't get out of Q1. <laughs> and I'm just so gutted. That's five in a row. You don't go from being six points off the championship lead and looking like mega to then suddenly you can't get out of Q1. Like... Okay, I get it. I get it. He's not as good as Verstappen. But what the hell? Like, I can't even be upset about it anymore. And look at Alec. Look at Van Jean, absolutely laughing his boobs off. I'm crying. Oh, um, mate. Because I, you I, saw how devastated I am. I'm devastated. I'm absolutely gutted. I don't know what's happening. I've, I've watched his whole career. There's no way. There's no way he's that far off naturally. I just I don't get it. 
for me, it's a guy whose confidence has dropped off the side of a cliff. And oh. every single time he gets into the car, it is compounded and compounded and compounded. And it's in his head. And people are talking about Ricardo taking his seat, about Yuki taking Well, Spanners is talking about Yuki taking his seat. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, that. I'll talking about people taking his seat. And that gets in your head. And you don't do one good quality performance. And then Christian Horner, I mean, what was it? Canada. Christian Horner was furious at Canada when he didn't get into Q when he didn't get into Q three. And there has got to be conversations going on in the background. And it's just getting more and more compounded on him. And I mean Verstappen could be is leading the constructors championship on his own at the moment. He doesn't need Sergio Perez. Um and he made up he went from P fifteen to P six in that car. You tell me the roles are reversed and Max isn't on the podium. Driver today. of the day. Tell How me, many ten tell play, me ten, made up ten places, driver of the day, case closed. Kyle. Okay, look. I, look I'm emotionally invested. He struggled obviously. to go past Albon. Oh mate, I, I watched I the race. I, I, watched, I watched the race. Okay. I watched the race. So, Kyle, right? I'm emotionally invested, obviously, in, in his career. Uh, if what Alex says is true, and it's just a lack of motivation and confidence, then quit. That's, that's, that level of performance, if only caused by a lack of confidence and a, and, a, and a lack of like, oh, it's just this, you, know, you can't get the performance in and it's a self-depreciating circle. He's got himself in such a funk that maybe that's game over. And that's a depressing thought. Having watched him his whole career, having seen how he performs against rated teammates, seeing how he's performed in the midfield... Uh, my my instinct, my bias instinct is, Kyle, that especially with Marco saying the situation has been resolved, like he, I feel he's either been nerfed or the car is so out of his personal preference that it's impossible for him to drive. Rip my tinfoil hat off my head. <laughs> I think Perez may be in a similar position than the Ferrari strategists are. His confidence yeah. is low. You've got Marco taking pot shots at him in the press at every available opportunity. You know, Red Bull are famed for their loving, caring and nurturing environment as well that is in. You know that he's probably going in there and you know it could be the atmosphere that, yes, they're probably doing all they can, but you know that's going to be an awkward briefing when they're in there. But even when he gets into the races, he is not having these stellar fight the way through the fields like he was in he was semi-stealth Sergio today like you hardly saw him he, he hardly made any progress like yes he later in the race he started to do it but I'd pretty much forgotten he was in the race until about that 15 or 16 I was like oh yeah where where on earth is Perez we've not even seen him and yeah I agree with Alex if Max was in that car I think Max would have been on the podium without a doubt even maybe even winning it particularly and and also Sergio benefited from the safety car also as well to get up into that position. So it was not a stellar weekend at all. But having Marco saying, unfortunately, there's no decent replacements at the moment is hardly a nice comforting words of encouragement oh my God. to anyone in the in the Red Bull program. I mean, if you're if you're you, I mean, De Vries doesn't think he's getting anywhere. But if you're anyone like Yuki Tsunoda or anyone who's in that Red Bull Academy, you're thinking... Wow, he doesn't think anything Jeez, of any yeah, of us. Yeah, that's like Marco. Basically, it's like we're staying together for the kids. That's the equivalent, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. See, I'm going to come to your rescue here, Spanner. Okay, thanks, mate. I'm, I'm going to, but I have to back up a tiny bit and and start out with the fact that I don't think Red Bull had a particularly great car here today. It was slightly better than the McLaren, but not a ton on race day. And I think that everyone talking about Max pulling out a second, what you were really seeing was after about lap 23, Lando started to slow down some 
Because at the end of the day, the Red Bull is still the most efficient overall package with DRS, and even McLaren couldn't really keep up with it forever. Having said that, I think Perez did a fine job today to get up into six, and I'm really going to lay this on the Red Bull team, because they parked him at the end of the pit lane for several minutes. Thank you, Matthew. On tires getting colder and colder in qualifying, because they didn't guess correctly. Which, to be fair, like it is a guess, but they thought the red flag would have been lifted sooner than it actually turned out to be. It took them longer to resolve it. And he just sat there losing tire temperature and losing tire temperature and losing tire temperature. Now, what is it Perez has always been really good at? (laughs) Managing tires, getting around turns without putting a lot of energy into them. And what do you need to be able to do really well? When your tires have gotten super duper cold, you have to be able to put the energy into them. It's not it's not in his wheelhouse to naturally do that. The team put him out there and hung him out to dry a bit in qualifying. I mean, yeah, you could argue F1 driver should be able to do anything. But but look, when you get to certain levels of performance, ain't everybody (laughs) able to do everything at that level? And I think this particular weekend. Yeah. I think Perez got hung out to dry yeah. a bit in qualifying because of that. And he didn't have the same kind of performance advantage that, that Red Bull has had at other races. And maybe it's the new tires. Maybe Red Bull was just a little bit off and set up. I don't know what exactly the explanation is. But I look at his race results and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference after Monaco. Sure. But it's not huge in terms of race results, which is what really matter more than qualifying. Okay, I like that, Matt. Thank you. I'm going to stick with that. And I think Kyle's going to ruin it. So it's time to move on. Now, go on. Go on, ruin it. Go on, I was going to say, if you think it's been hung out to dry in qualifying, you're saying that Verstappen crushing into the pit wall was tactical. So he wasn't <laughs> left to hang out to drive. So that was purely that. A, 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 a front wing sacrificing oh. for tire temperature move. That's, that's, that's some 40. I, I think he jets. would have like been. It. He would have been equally hung out to dry had he not cleverly driven into the wall of the garage on the way out. Oh, I could agree with you there. I forgot about that. So I didn't think it it got caught live, but Verstappen exited the garage in Q1 and just drove straight into the pit wall. And you go, wow, I don't think I've ever seen a car do that. There's also another aspect, I think, to Paris' performances as well. And this is something I think is probably overlooked. And we've had the Red Bull sort of second, the number two Red Bull car, and many drivers have mentioned this, Gasly mentioned it, Albon mm. mentioned it quite recently as well. The Red Bull, a fast car is not necessarily an easy car to drive. They're usually really, really hard. I bet the Red Bull is a tricky, hard car to drive. Now, Verstappen is quite, he's one of these drivers, a bit like the Schumacher or something, could drive a wheelie bin around the thing, and he's very adaptable and likes it in a set way. So, of course, Red Bull are going to go for yeah. the chase, the ultimate performance. And and Albon alluded to this. He was like, the car was quick. I just it, it was just so difficult for me to drive it in my style. And I think so that kind of that kind of exaggerates sort of um Verstappen. This this is where Verstappen puts himself clear of Perez. So I think Perez has got a real tough job. I don't think the car is easy to drive or ex- extract that performance out. And the fact that your teammate is getting the performance out just makes you look worse. And the whole situation snowballs a bit like the Ferrari strategy team. The confidence drops and he needs a couple of good results to source himself out and get himself back on track. All right. Aston, do they need good results to get themselves back on track? So at the moment, I feel like my early season performance that they would end up not being one of the top three or four fastest cars is kind of gradually coming to fruition. It's taking a lot longer than I thought, Alex, but that seems to be the way it's going. Aston nowhere. Yeah, they've had a couple of 
dodgy rounds, haven't they? Um, it'll be interesting to see how they get on uh, 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 the next few. Um, have they had the raft of upgrades in the last couple of races that Ferrari must I say think they've tried, Matt, McLaren haven't they? McLaren have. This is it, Matt. Have they had that. So the Matt interesting, Kyle. thank you for bringing up developments, because there's <laughs> nothing I like talking oh. more about than reading long list of parts that have been replaced over the season. I can see, and I could add numbers to that if you yeah, want. Yeah. Alex, no, you want those numbers. Please, no numbers. You want numbers. Alex, you, numbers. you and me take a break. I'm just going to put Kyle no. and Matt on screen. <laughs> no, uh, but it's been very clear. Since they brought their big Canada update, they don't quite understand it entirely. And their performance relative to other people who brought developments they optimize better has clearly dropped off. And it was very apparent today. Now, again, we have new tires. We had a very tricky situation with the wind, which I think we might talk about when and if we get to Williams in a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, they don't quite understand what's going on with their car anymore in the same way they did when they started the season. And other teams have brought updates. McLaren. And they clearly very well understand them. And that is everything. I think Aston's, they're struggling a little bit. And that brings up to me the great question of how long will Alonso be patient with them not understanding the car before he um, starts to comment on it? Yeah, like, um, and how bullish they were about their upgrades. They were very bullish in the press and just saying they're going to be on the podium all the time and Alonso, we're going to get this upgrade and we're going to crush them and we're going to be great. And it hasn't really materialised. He's still got a brave face on it. He still looks really happy after Silverstone. He still looks like he's in a happy place, but every, the, I had the exact same thing go through my head. I'm like, right, if they don't start performing soon, how quickly are the, like, yeah, how long are the toys going to stay in the pram for? Because Because they... Yeah, I was I was expecting already they would have come out, but he's still keeping this really sort of um good and he looked genuinely happy after the race. You see him joking in the um driver pen, but he must be quite frustrated because they they talked themselves up a lot and it hasn't quite materialized yet. And you would have thought Silverstone maybe would have suited them. And this and they're being bullish again, they're keeping this attitude that it's fine, we'll be really good and hungry. This is gonna be great. So again, if it kind of sort of they if they have another sort of um semi flaccid performance in 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 Hungary, then I don't think Alonso is going to be very happy at all. All it's going to take is for Albon to get the better of Alonso once or twice, and then Stroll outperforms him in a qualifying session in a race, and then we will start to see the true, the real Fernando Alonso that we all know I love um, come out. But um, yeah, so he'll keep a smile on his face for now. But the second a team he doesn't think that should be beating him starts to beat him, he will start to get <laughs> upset. And then if his teammate beats him, we'll see what happens. But if his teammate keeps doing stuff like he did today, that ain't going to happen. Should oh, we play a game? Let, let's play a game. And it's called... Who's Fault Is This? Wow. Lance Stroll. I'm going to preempt the game and just say, I think Lance Stroll was a menace. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so he goes off track, wheel to wheel. Actually, there was a, a little bit of a preempt, I think, the lap before. So uh, Gazza kind of runs him a little bit wide. Stroll goes, was it, was it way before? Stroll it goes, was way before. Yeah, it was early Stroll goes off track, gets the position. Uh, Gazza's really angry, says, you need to give me back that blinking position right now. And then they didn't. And then the further incident was, Stroll in a battle. I think Ocon, uh, Gasly actually left him. I nearly said Ocon, Matt, but Ocon did nothing in this race. So I nearly said uh, Ocon, it's but it was breaker, Gasly. He's a car breaker. That Ocon, he's a car breaker. 
That's what people used to say about Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not, they did. It's not unreliability in 2012. He's a car It's wrecker. just how he drives the car yeah. breaks it. He's brakes yeah. engines. He's terrible. Yeah. It's not McLaren's fault. So, yeah. So, so Gasly, I think, leaves Stroll enough room. Stroll goes off track, comes back on track, nerfs him. Whose fault is it? I, I, that sounds like a loaded question. But is anybody here to make the case for Stroll? Kyle. Wow. Not not quite make this case for Stroll, but to actually make the penalty look less bad of other moves we've seen like that in recent history. Mm. Think back to Perez last year, did exactly the same thing, but it was worse. It was like complete terrorism what he did last year. He was completely off the track, drove back on, and luckily everyone, of, he didn't smack everyone, and that's the famous bit, and through goes Hamilton. Oh, it's still that's that thing. Yeah, no, Perez yeah, was exactly a menace. Exactly like the same. same. Absolutely yeah, menace. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't get penalised. He was more off track than Stroll was. Yeah, yeah. Stroll just bounced on track and just happened to hit Gasly. So if you look at those two incidents in, in isolation, they've punished the outcome. Not necessarily okay. the same sort of crime difference. there, but... Kyle, but because it, yeah, because sorry, he sorry, Gasly, Kyle. and then Gasly actually then retired. They're like, right, we need to penalise him. But Perez yeah. didn't even get investigated for that last year. So and Perez it was almost identical off track at Vale onto the start finish straight, and then pushed Hamilton off. But this is uh, Stroll. No, it was it was Leclerc. I think there was someone else battling, and Hamilton got them both because because Leclerc was because Perez was totally off track and came oh, back on. So I think Perez kind of cut almost, the corner in Vale yeah. as well. That was it. Yeah, yeah. and it was almost a carbon mm. copy of this. That now we're. Stroll hit the curb and bounced and then just clipped clipped Gasly and broke a toe link. And it's quite odd that it must have been the perfect contact. So it was just a little yeah. like dink and then it sort of broke it. And it looked like an eye racing trying to get back to the pits. It was quite humorous, actually, watching him try to drive a crabbing it... car back to the pits. But yeah, so um, but that was 100% slam dunk black and white Stroll's fault, without a doubt. But Perez should have had the same penalty for the same exactly the same thing the mm. previous season. But it's like it, it's 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 an identical incident to what happened between all those years ago between Ronaldo, Maldonado and Lewis at Valencia. Valencia, where one where yes. one driver went where one driver went off the circuit yeah. and torpedoes the other carts on the circuit. It's a bit similar to Monza in twenty twenty one, where Max had nowhere to go and just torpedoed um, across across oh, the yeah. apex. Yeah. And yeah, it, 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 that one's a slam dunk. The thing was, was there was lots of people trying to say that. Um, he should have got a penalty for that going off the track and gaining an advantage. But for that one, Gasly ran him off the yeah, circuit. So that's fine. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, he was fine with that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was an absolute slam dunk. It's a really dumb move. You're off the circuit. You're off the circuit. You have to break. And he didn't break. He just kept his foot in. He tried to avoid the red sausage curb, which would have launched him. And that would have been very dangerous. Um, but yeah, he just didn't think. But how weak... Is that Alpine? Because it wasn't a heavy hit. It's probably unlucky, wasn't it? Yeah, it just they're, they're not really designed to take uh, forces uh, from angles that they don't usually absorb forces from. And I think it was just, uh, as Kyle said, it was just uh, uh, remarkably lucky if you're Aston, because that put Alpine all the way out of the points entirely. And I think move them up, move them closer or, you know, uh, unlucky if you're Pierre Gasly just put him absolutely out of the race but to be fair uh, looking at the replays he clearly put Stroll off the track the previous lap and in that corner he also very clearly put Stroll off the track and I'm just saying like you know how Stroll drives you can only put him off track so many times before <laughs> you know you, you know it's coming are you, you saying know it's it coming. was retaliatory? That's victim I, you, blaming. You know that is victim blaming. I'm, I'm so, not saying. Yeah. I'm not saying it was intentionally retaliatory, mm -hmm. but but you know, like like you know, you 
I think he has, I, yeah, I think he has buttons. I think those buttons can be pushed. And I think Pierre knew exactly what mm. buttons he was pushing every time he did that. I think uh, Gasly was also a bit triggered by, he was very angry by Stroll being able to go around the outside. But hey, I, I think you're right. Stroll was entitled to space that he didn't get. So that's why the stewards allowed that move. I think finally, for the main part of the show before awards, uh, Williams. So Yeah, there we go, Matt. There you go. Williams, I, I, um, I only watched on Friday and then I tuned in on Sunday and I was incredibly surprised not to see Williams lining up P2 and P5 because all the chat on Friday from their glory runs was, this is genuine. What a great job they've all done. This is amazing. They're fighting with the big boys. And then I did catch a bit of like media stuff on Saturday where they went, well, yeah, maybe they had a bit less fuel. Yeah, obviously they had a bit less fuel. Do we have to do this every single time? Do we have to do the Friday dance, Matt? where the low-end team pops up and suddenly everyone goes, oh my God, I can't believe Hulkenberg is suddenly top three. Will this last till Sunday? No, it won't. No, it won't, because we have the same conversation every single Friday. Uh, That said, if we'd had a dry qualifying, you might have had to be explaining why you thought they were cheating on the fuel to achieve those positions. Williams had an unexpectedly fast car at this race, and Albon amongst others, is the first to say that, well, you know how sometimes when you're like, we don't know why we're this slow? He's like, well, sometimes as a team, you're like, we don't know why we're this fast. And they very clearly did not understand it. But he had an interesting guess, which was that because they were, in essence, a lower downforce team than pretty much everybody else, they were less sensitive to the wind disturbing them because higher downforce teams lose a greater percentage and then have more instability in corners because they didn't have that much downforce to start with, the wind affected them less and gave them more of an advantage in what was a very windy and changeable weekend. And I sort of like that. But he also talked about, and, 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 and this sort of intrigued me a little bit as someone who likes the technical stuff, talked about like there are tools on the car that they can use. And this is contrasting to Sargent, who finished 11th. Can we talk about that? Just Is that, don't, okay. are you celebrating that? Whatever. Finished 11th. To be fair, job. Matt, on Friday, we did say what would constitute success. And we said finishing yep. behind the top four teams. But we weren't really, yep. we weren't factoring in um, Mercedes, uh, McLaren at that point. And so, yeah, you can definitely say this was a successful weekend for Williams. It was just massively overhyped. Uh, I mean, but it was exciting. But, <laughs> but he talked about the teams having tools. To, to be able to combat the wind and the instability it causes. And, and I, I don't know, Kyle, do you know anything about this? Yes, yeah, so that's a really interesting comment from Albon saying why he may have had the advantage over Sargent because he had more experience using the tools to the car available to him to combat the wind. Now, the tools he's probably referring to is the differential that the drivers uh-huh. can change in car. And for those who don't, just a really quick yeah, explanation. Yeah, please, please, it please. just basically distributes the power to both the rear wheels. And of course, if you're turning, you're going around, the inside wheel of the corner has to do a less lesser radius or diameter than the outside wheel. So the outside wheel has to go a further distance. So you have to distribute the power to allow the outside wheel to turn more than the inside wheel. And if you have it completely open, it's like an open diff, then the car will be extremely turny, but slightly oversteery. So what the teams do, they actually lock the diff up, limited slip differential. So they'll lock it up and they'll prevent this differential in speed between the inside and the outside wheel, you know, very slightly. But what you can do when you, and you'll hear the drivers or commentators talk about this, when they either lock the diff up, they tighten the diff up, they open the diff up. So what, so what Alex Allen was probably referring to, so say, for example, 
you're going down the hangar straight into Stowe and there's a massive headwind. That means they've got lots of downforce on the car and it's going to have a good, good stable car going into it. So you probably want to open the diff up a little bit to give a bit more uh, oversteer so you can turn the car more. But on the flip side, if you've got a tailwind going into a corner like Stowe, you'll have more oversteer and the car is not going to be so stable. So you'd probably want to lock and tighten the diff up to give yourself a bit more understeer and a bit more traction. Now, it's really interesting. When you see the back of the McLaren steering wheel, they've actually got a toggle switch that the drivers can pull, which almost essentially locks the diff on the exit for traction zones. It's like an override switch. So Albon's probably referring to, like, he's got more experience and more confidence because, you know, the drivers are sitting in his car. You're tipping into a corner at 190 mile an hour. You've got to believe it sticks. So he's probably a bit more confident in making a bit more sort of dramatic changes on the diff. So if the wind direction changes during the race the engineers might come on to goes right we've now gone from a tailwind to a headwind into turn four then they are going to be all sort of opening up the diffs if they've got a headwind or like or, or vice versa they'll be they'll be tightening the diff up to give them a little bit more stability and confidence so when you hear them talking about diffs and what they're doing that's probably great. what they're playing around with this is a really great explanation so obviously i've never driven an f1 car with diff my only experience of using diff lock and varying amounts of diff is driving an eight-ton truck over a muddy vehicle assault course. And we had to play with the diff a lot, depending on which wheel had traction. Hmm. It's not the same or relevant. just thought I'd uh, just drop that flex. So you were probably locking the diff an awful lot then? Yeah, especially if one wheel was, like, losing traction. You had to, yeah. like, yeah, then connect the axles. But I actually didn't realise that the, the F1 drivers were actively changing that. And so what Albon has got is a very airfield-specific advantage. Yes. Yeah. And also... Um, it's not just it's not just one ultimate change. Likewise, in F1, it's very, very, very uh, complicated. So they've got diff on the entry, diff in the mid corner, and diff on the exits. There's all these different phases they can change, and the car knows where it is. You've also got brake migration, which I won't go into today, but you can how the brake balance changes from the front to it as you come Love off it. the pedals. There's all these little fine adjustments that can make a big difference. So that was quite interesting, Albon saying that that he was that he actually thought the reason why he beat Sergeant sure, was because he knew how to exploit these tools more. See, Matt, tech stuff doesn't have to be boring. Come on. Uh, okay, do you want me to try? <laughs> yeah, not for as long as Carl went on, because we're getting it. Okay, fair Sorry. Now, <laughs> the, the other thing that he mentioned was, you know, how after we realized that Hamilton wasn't going to be able to fight Norris all the way to the end, and we thought things were going to get boring until we had Albon trying to pass Alonso and Leclerc trying to pass Albon, and it was that fight all the way to the end. And he talked about how uh, Silverstone is actually a tricky track to recharge the batteries on. And if you're just yeah, cool, attacking, right? you, can, you, can, you can take a lot greater risks with your battery and deployment because you can just take a lap out and recharge. But that if you have someone behind you, you have to be a lot more careful to yeah. be able to protect yourself, especially in the DRS zone. So you have less chance to really attack. But I like that he reckoned if Leclerc hadn't been right on him, he thinks he would have had Alonzo. I love this. It's going to be excellent. Our, the patron, next races. our patron live chat's active. <laughs> Faddy says the word diff has lost all meaning. I can, I can relate to that. Mark <laughs> saying that really is interesting. Gene uh, Z, that's you, Alex, is asking, where's my Rubik's Cube during this session? Oh, come uh, on. It wasn't that bad. No, no. It was uh, great. It was I genuinely. Excellent. I was riveted. I, I genuinely. Riveted. Yeah. <laughs> well, I genuinely. You, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but we are low on time. So let's get to the podium and give out some awards. An absolutely stunning and enjoyable race. And when I sit down to talk about these races, my general mood is set by how good a Sunday 
did I have? And I just, I had a great Sunday. Uh, like I, it sparked my joy. Like I had a joyful Sunday watching Formula One, even though not all the drivers I wanted to win or do well did well and the drivers that I wish wouldn't do as well did really, really well. I, I still like looking at that as a spectacle. I was a very jealous that I wasn't in the crowd, but also like I've always seen F1 as a TV sport anyway. And I just really like soaked that all in. The TV uh, coverage was good enough to not be distracting which hasn't always been the case at Silverstone. No no real lingering crowd shots during action scenes. So overall, as an F1 fan, this is one of my most enjoyable uh, this is one of my most enjoyable Sundays that I've had. Always nice seeing new teams and new drivers push to the front. I think for me Lando Norris has kind of made my F1 weekend and made it enjoyable. But here at Miss Apex we give out awards. So, let's start with Alex Jeans Van Jean. Links in the show notes below. A very tanned-looking Alex Van Jean can be followed at Alex Van Jean on Twitter and on threads and Instagram. Who... Uh, oh, hang on. There's a bumper that we normally do. <laughs> it's good, that. What was your thing of the weekend, Alex? The pop that Lando Norris got when they thought he got pole. Um, just how much the crowd... The British crowd is just... Insane. immense yeah. and the way they just reacted for lewis and for george and for lando was absolutely epic mm. and it just makes silverstone so special beyond any other grid because we don't get that level of noise and yeah it really shows how much the fans love their boys and it's great uh, matt trumpets matt uh, just to point out that the british drivers today got 47 points and the American drivers got zero, so we win. Uh, how many? How many British drivers are there? Uh, I'm just telling you the total points. I don't think we we can talk about oh, who's okay. got All right. who's got uh, how many drivers yeah. or who drives for yeah, who. But okay. it's yeah. forty-seven right. nil. So <laughs> that's what that is, Matt. Who? What's your thing of the weekend? Uh, you know, jeez, uh, so many things. But I'll tell you what it was. It was the start of the race and watching Lando Norris yep. beat Max Verstappen off the line and lead the race for multiple laps. That was just incredible. It was great. I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to George Russell and his overall race pace, and that's the closest I've seen him watching the lap times. That's the closest and most competitive. I've seen George Russell, and I, I wonder if we'll see this pattern where on the lower wear circuits, on the lower wear races where Pirelli go a bit harder, you will see George Russell much closer to to Lewis Hamilton. And I would love to see this race replayed with the softest tyre compound. I would have just loved to have seen the difference it made to the race order. Kyle, at Kyle Power F1. You do do the odd spicy hot take on there. So go and follow Every him. now and then. Click on the show notes <laughs> below. A great performance from Kyle in the, uh, in the feature race of the Missed Apex Cup. No spoilers, but go and check out his battle with Danny Henney. And you are, you're, you're the champ. You're the, you're the defending yeah. champ, Kyle. So lots of pressure on you. Indeed. Got my first poll as well at the, lot, yeah, at the okay. death, which well, is quite good in qualifying. Well, that's a for the stream as well. So now, oh, sorry. now oh, you can yeah. skip quali. All right, Carl. <laughs> uh, what was um, your thing of the weekend? Well, it was going to be the noise the crowd made when Lando led that lap. No, the Each individual section, but it's already been had. So I'm going to go straight in with Ted opening up the notebook and calling Brad Pitt, Brad Tit. Okay, great. 
And uh, kids ask your groovy young uncles why that's it's funny. It's a bird. Yeah, it is a bird. That's right. And I have to say, like, I think all the Brad Pitt stuff, like, I know, Alex, you were a fan of all that as well. Like, it was really cool. Like, how cool is it to have, like, a major Hollywood movie with one of the biggest stars in history in our little space? But also, he was doing an interview with Martin Brando, and he really cares. <laughs> he really like cares about the like product. It, yeah. He knew he knows who people are. He, he wants Martin Brundle to do a cameo, which would be cool. Um, you know, he really wants it to be a success, and he believes in the sport, which is great. Yeah. Unlike Cara Delevingne, who did not want to talk on the I, um, look. I'm gonna. I love Cara Delevingne, and I am just. She's and very I, tall. And that's I didn't realise how tall and she that's was. That's not her fault. Some people are very long, and they can't help it. But they're nearly as good as us normal-sized people. But, look, not everyone wants to talk all the time. And I do think, yeah, maybe you could be really generous with your time if you're on the grid. But I just, not everyone wants to talk all the time. Shit. If you are that privileged to be allowed to be on the grid for free, part of the thing should be, if a mm. microphone is stuck in your face, you talk. Not get your bodyguard to shove one of the most popular, one of the most um, counter, experienced counter, interviewers. Counter, 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 counter. big celebrities okay. on the grid will put it out on their Instagram, will put it out on Twitter. They will spread the word of Formula One. They are already doing F1 a service. They might not necessarily at that moment be specifically up to chat and they might not be confident about what they know about F1. So you want Cara Delevingne to go, I don't know what's going on, but I'm enjoying the engine sounds. I, I guess she could do that. I just love being here. Yeah. At, least, at least it would be genuine. But you're acting like those rather, celebrities rather... don't contribute anything. And they, they do. That's why they're invited. It goes on their social media. And that's massive. I that's I why Bieber. Cara Delevingne, so I couldn't tell you. Mm. I don't even know who she is. Actress. Of course you don't. Of course you don't, Kyle. You're edgy. You don't even own jeans. Okay, uh, the Missed Apex Award is coming up next. Oh, no. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Oh, my God, I can't get over how Oscar sounds. <laughs> Do that. Now he's like this. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Okay, who missed the Apex for you, Alex Van Jean? Sergio Perez. He sucked in qualifying. He <laughs> didn't make up anywhere near enough positions in the race as he probably should have done on one of the tracks that's on one of the on one of the tracks that is quite open to having battles he when he was in clean air he wasn't even catching the ferraris i i, I just i don't want to keep kicking him while he's down but i know it hurts you so it's fine um and it does hurt. yeah I, I just it just it, it it's frustrating because he could be up there fighting and he was and all of a sudden he's vanished off the planet and it's sad for the championship oh, that Max right. is just disappearing <laughs> off and he's got to pull his socks up um, especially because there's no one else to take the position apart from Daniel Ricciardo okay trumpets who missed the apex for you well I mean you know would it be the uh, team that started on the wrong tire Haas or it would be the team whose car burst into flames and caused the safety car Haas I just <laughs> who, who, I don't know they I'm, are, I'm sensing I'm sensing a a direction here they they run like all their components are made of chocolate as far as I'm concerned I it just like I I'm just I'm baffled you know they don't have a terrible car I, they do struggle with tire management but yeah, it was just a shockingly bad weekend for them. Aside from, was it Hulkenberg's qualifying, maybe? It, it just, like, nothing really good to bring out of it. And, yeah, no race results either. I think K-Mag was just a bit 
bored of having no protest. So he did is just burn oil protest all on his own on the straight. Where the other <laughs> protesters are. So he kind of just to prove the point. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, so you've all let, oh no, Carl, you go on, Alex, quick. Yeah. It's not about this. It's about the mm. Cara Delevingne thing. Ah. Just to defend, sorry, I just want to defend her a little bit because it's come up. Is she actually tweeted that she was told to say no? So she she was told by no by someone in F one to say no. So she did. There we go. This is what I'm saying. Like, and there's high, which is rubbish. No, it sucks. But there's high profile people in F one. High profile uh, people in the media who went straight on Twitter and criticised Cara Delevingne for that. Yeah. and it's not right. It's not right. But then there should be someone telling Martin, don't talk yes, to Cara. I agree that. I'm not blaming Martin Brundle. Or maybe it's going to be in the movie and they wanted that to happen. <gasps> that could Just, be so cool. Know, okay, makes like, the movie realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Okay, uh, Kyle, who missed the apex for you? Uh, I, I was going to say that that lady, that Cara Levine, mm. uh, whoever she is, um, but but it's not, but it was, I can't, that's already been done. So I'm going to have to say Alpine. Their rivals in the championship have launched and leapfrogged them up the thing. They had two cars out of the points. And when they were running, you know, they weren't looking that spectacular, were they, to be honest? Uh, they had a bit of a rough weekend. And to pile that in while I'm piling on, Alpha Tower as well, both of them. Oh, they're my, both my mistake pictures because I don't know what's going on with them. And, you know, we've had so many from when it was Renault before and now it's Alpine, the, uh, the, the, the slightly communist sounding five year plans that they do. Um, they have to keep extending. I can't imagine how many extensions to their five-year plan before they win. They just keep adding on years to it. So, yeah, shame not to see them up there and battling McLaren because more teams towards the front is always better. So I was disappointed with their performance. Mm-hmm. So really, I get I get Ferrari all to myself. The Mr. Apex Award for me goes for the the additional Ferrarification of Ferrari. Just, wow, please, please get better so that you are a force that I can once again respect and uh, and and love Despise. to have as a rival. No, look, they just they've got they've got two of the greatest drivers ever to grace an F one car. They've got look, a good car. I understand car. it. You love to hate them, but they're not good enough. They're not to good hate enough anymore. To... That's just tragic. <laughs> no, but I like both of the drivers. Okay, so yeah. I have nothing against they are nice Vassour. Uh, actually, this specific Ferrari has done nothing to deserve any of my kind of negativity. Uh, but they're just wasting it. That, that's that's what it is at the moment. That's the problem with Ferrari. It's a waste. They're the Death Star, but the um, um, Family Guy version of of, of the Death Star right. with Stewie in control rather all than right. Darth Vader. All right, that's the one. And uh, obviously follow all my panel. The links are in the show notes below. Uh, but follow me as well, at Spanners Ready, on threads and on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you've got this far, ooey, you might think that we're a half-reasonable podcast. Our patrons have a nice time. They join us in the, the live Slack chat get extra content on a Friday with me and Matt before a race and have an ad-free feed available to add to their podcast player. So consider going to patreon.com forward slash Mist Apex. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Mist Apex Podcast. For stopping by. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.